What's up, everybody? It's the Welcome to the Show podcast brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show to get a free audio book download and a 30-day free trial. That's audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show. And for other exclusive deals just for our listeners, visit wttspod.com forward slash save. That's wttspod.com forward slash save. There you'll find exclusive deals just for our listeners, like 10% off of KD Custom Kicks. You'll get 10% off of Top Velocity and more. So make sure you check it out. That's wttspod.com forward slash save. In today's special bonus podcast, we interview Joe Petruccio. You can follow him on Instagram at Joey underscore paints and make sure to visit his website, joeypaints.com. Joe Petruccio was most definitely one of the most interesting interviews that I have conducted on this podcast. He is different in the sense that he's not exclusively just baseball. He's not a player. He's not a coach. He's an artist. And he reminds me of someone that I used to follow closely as a kid because, you know, in this day and age, you could turn on your computer, go to ESPN and check out a score or whatever. Bill Gallo used to draw art on, uh, you know, on the back pages of, of the New York Daily News, and it was mainly sports art. And as a Yankees fan, he drew a lot of Yankee stuff. That's what always drew me to him, although I'm sure that he drew a lot about the Mets and stuff. For me, I remember his, his New York Yankees art. And uh, what's interesting is that Bill Gallo was actually somewhat of a mentor for Joe Petruccio. And Joe will talk more about that during the episode. What struck me most about Joe is that he grew up a Mets fan. He grew up a Jets fan. He grew up a Muhammad Ali fan. He grew up, uh, you know, a DC Comics fan. He, he considers himself a DC guy, his family, a DC family. And he exemplifies what can happen if you're passionate about something and you follow it through. What I mean by that is what Joe is now, he's a, he's a fan artist for the Mets, highly recognizable for that. He's drawn for Joe Namath. He's drawn for Muhammad Ali. He's drawn for for DC Comics. He's drawn for, you know, anything that he's ever rooted for in his life. He's followed it through and it's come true for him. And uh, we talk a little bit about that as well. I don't want to take up too much of this introduction, uh, giving the in- entire interview away, because I do want you to listen to, it, listen to it and I want you to get to know Joe as I did. Um, so without further ado, let's get to know Joe. Well, I'm a Mets fan, uh, born in Brooklyn, Okay. Uh, moved to Jersey later on in life, and uh, yeah, you know what, my whole family has been Mets fans, so I just, uh, through genetics, became a Mets fan, <laughs> and uh, uh, that's that's really how I became a Mets I mean, all my friends growing up were Yankee fans, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, when there was Mantle and Maris and, you know, those guys, and uh, Mets uh, couldn't compare to them back then, but you know, in 1969, I had my year. Mm-hmm. And then you had another one in '86 as well. But since then, there's been some somewhat of a of a drought, and and the Mets have been kind of a little of, bit of a drought, a little bit, yeah. a touch, <laughs> a little a touch. But there's been but some, you know what? yeah. That's what being a fan is. Exactly, know? exactly. But I mean, you you have to have 
some frustrations with the organization. I mean, it seems like this year they're taking a different approach to things with Brody Van Wagenen. Um, but you, I, I mean, how do you feel about the Mets competing in that in that division with the Phillies, the team that they put together, the Braves? Although their pitching is a little weak, they're still a pretty good team. And the Nationals, you can't you know sleep on them either. How do you feel? What do you think are the Mets' chances this year? I, I think the chances are pretty good. I you know I always you know what every year I think the Mets' chances are good. Mm-hmm. I'm just that much of a crazy Mets fan. <laughs> and uh, but this year I think they're. I mean Brody did a great great job um, uh, securing players, getting the right pieces, and uh, you know just in yesterday's game the eleven eight win. I mean just like you said you can't fall asleep on the Nationals. Uh, mm-hmm. I uh, thought that we were gonna that one was gonna slip away yesterday, but the way that this team is put together, they score 11 runs without even a home run. Um, mm-hmm. That's saying a lot. I think that the youth that we have on the team gives it a little bit of something. I mean, if you look at other sports, you know, college, college football, college basketball. I think just in sports in general, the salaries have been so inflated that some of the passion is gone from these guys. And I think when you look at it at the college level, you see that passion at the rookie level in baseball. I think you see that passion. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's the passion that won the game yesterday. I think it's that passion that becomes addictive to the other players and makes them feel that way again. I agree. I think that infusing uh, a little bit of youth with veteran talent helps a team as a Yankees fan. We were supposed to be in a rebuild in 2017, and we made it to a Game 7 of, of an ALCS, and that's due large in part to the young talent on that team, providing that energy. Like, it's not, you know, I love Jeter. As a Yankees fan, this is going to sound sacrilegious, but I, but Jeter, in, in many ways, I felt like was, after all those championships, toward the end of his career, was kind of sucking the life out of the team because he's kind of like this monotone, stoic, you know, there's no energy coming out of him. Um, and I feel like these guys coming up and the same thing with the Mets, McNeil's, he's a good, he's a good player. I mean, a three hit game and a four hit game to start the season already. You have Pete Alonso yeah. is the real deal. You got the Noah Syndergaards and the Jacob DeGrom. They're not necessarily young talent, but they're still, you know, they're only in their what third, fourth, maybe fifth season with the team. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that the Mets are sleepers in that organization. And, and, uh, I mean, in that, in that division and yeah, it's an exciting time to be a Met fan. Um, I do have to question, though, some of the moves that the Mets make sometimes. And we'll move off the Mets in a little while and talk more about your, okay. your painting and stuff. Um, okay. Some of the moves that the Mets make, are to me, are head scratchers. Like, last year, they bring in Jay Bruce to play outfield when there's mm-hmm. a J.D. Martinez out there. You know what I mean? Um what, what's, what are some other moves this year? I mean, I know that, I know that Manny Machado is a lot of money. And Bryce Harper, but I think I feel like those are two players that are that can change an organization. And I think they would have they could have elevated the Mets to a new level. I always wonder why don't the Mets ever go after that big guy? You know, instead they go with 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 Johannes Cespedes, who's a good player, but he's not you know he's not necessarily Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, for example. I don't know if you, you know, have any thoughts on that. I don't. You know what? Even on Cespedes, I mean, I'm you know I was happy as everybody else when they signed him and uh i mean but he hasn't really he's been has not been healthy i mean he hasn't really put a full season of games if you add all the games it's hardly a season mm-hmm. um you know, his contract's almost up mm-hmm. 
I mean, me, if I was Cespedes, uh, and I'm not, I'd play one year free. Mm. Just to make up for all the money I've taken while I'm sitting and healing. You know, I would play one year free to show that, you know what, I have a passion for this game. Can I commit myself to a team that committed themselves to me while I healed? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, you know, I'm not asking people to play for nothing, but you want to see things like that. You want to see that kind of passion. I don't know, you know, as far as the moves go that they made, I feel that, you know what, maybe they felt like Pete, uh, Pete Alonzo, you know, is, is a uh, Harper, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they see that, you know, um, look, look at Daniel Murphy. I mean, yeah, he went away and he became something. I mean, and that's somebody who, while he was here, we were all saying, Hey, he's got, he doesn't have a glove. He has, you know, makes mistakes in the field and not, nice. he's not, he doesn't come up big all the time. And look, came up big time, you know, mm-hmm. him plus Harper really, really uh, propel the uh, nationals and yeah. uh, the difference without them on the team. So, you know, it's easy to question why a team does after they do it. And especially now, you know, uh, I could tell you a hundred reasons why I don't think they should have done things and gotten people. But after these first two games, it looks like they did the right thing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I'm glad you brought up Daniel Murphy because I feel like his situation was almost like just really bad timing because we interviewed uh, this this guy named Doug Latta. He's a hitting coach out of California. He worked with, I believe it was Marlon Bird before he went to the Mets. It was after his, uh, I think it was Marlon Bird. Was it Marlon Bird? I don't remember. It was after, it was a PED suspension. He had some time off. He went to work with this hitting coach in California named Doug Latta. And Doug Latta showed him right. this new approach to swinging, which which we're seeing now, the launch angle revolution. And he, yep. came, he went to the Mets and he put up a monster season and took guys like Daniel Murphy and Justin Turner under his wing. And you saw what happened the season after that. Justin Turner goes to L.A., turns into a monster. And Absolutely. Daniel Murphy, yeah, Daniel Murphy goes to the Nationals, turns into a monster. And I don't want to give all the credit to Doug Latta, but it's a big, it's a big reason why these guys, they're, they're completely different hitters. And could you imagine had they stayed with the Mets and provided that kind of production? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. You it's know, just but, bad timing. Uh, <laughs> it's just bad. Yeah, it's always bad timing for us. Yeah, it's always. Hopefully, this is our time this year. You know, yeah. so uh, I feel I feel really good about this season. I really do, and I feel really good the direction of the team. I really do. It's, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a different team, a whole different feeling. Yeah, I agree. It feels completely different, totally different. I think Brody Van Wagenen is 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 a li- it's almost like a lightning rod. Like he's he's kind of doing what the Mets didn't do in the past you know and and uh that's good to see you know I was a little surprised with the with the Jacob deGrom signing it seemed like Jacob de uh, not uh yeah it's on it seemed like deGrom had kind of kicked himself in the mouth when he made that comment uh that he would limit his innings if he didn't get an extension it almost gave the Mets an yeah. excuse like we don't have to pay this guy he's gonna he's, we're gonna he's just gonna play you know we'll just have to keep him on for two more years on the cheap but in the end they gave him the extension do you think that was the right move or what are your take? What's your take on that? On his extension yes. or on the, or his opening his mouth? Well, both. Yeah. No, you know what? I think people say things in the heat of a moment to try to move things along. And, um, you know, who knows, you know, things are taken out of context all the time. So who knows about what, I mean, I don't blame him if, you know, he did want to try and save a little of what he's got, but, mm-hmm. um, 
I think they did the right thing, but you have to nail somebody like that. I mean, I tell people all the time, and this was even when Harvey was on the team, I said, you know, you guys got your eyes on Harvey. This DeGrom is the guy, Mm -hmm. you know? And DeGrom reminds me now of when I was a kid and I knew Seaver was pitching, I was a certain feeling when you saw Tom Seaver. It was a Seaver game. You knew exactly almost what the outcome would be. You could almost bet on it. It's, I get that same feeling now, all these years later with DeGrom. I feel like it's watching a Tom Seaver game again as a kid. Mm-hmm. He just has kind of magic to him. His, you know, He's just really a profe- He's a pro. He comes to the game every day to play. He's got a fire and a light in him that I think lights the rest of the team, which is why you know, people kind of compare him now to David Wright and what David Wright did for the team as far as morale and personality goes. So you know what? If they have somebody to emulate, I think it's DeGrom. And if just for that, he's worth the money. Yeah, I agree. And Noah Syndergaard kind of threw in with him and, and had his back in the whole situation. Do you think that Syndergaard will get an extension as well? Or do you think they'll kind of just let his his uh, his rookie, whatever you call it, he, he's I don't know if he's arbitration eligible yet, but um, do they just let it play out and see what happens in the future? I guess they'll let this season play out and see uh, about Noah. But, you know, I mean, he said what he said, you know, now, you know, hopefully somebody will have his back. And he set the table for when his deal is ready to be made by making his comment and saying, just pay the guy. He's worth it. You know, he's he had the Grom's back. And I'm sure when it comes time, DeGrom will have his back. I agree. I agree with you. And I like Syndergaard. I follow him on, on Twitter. The guy's funny as hell. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's great. He's great. That's a great personality of the team. You know what? Even the Yankees, I have to say, these kids who came to the Yankees, they gave that team a whole different tone and look. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's almost, you know, it's refreshing. You know, I could almost, almost watch a Yankee game then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I mean, in, in a way, I kind of think it's bad for baseball. Like, I'm happy that, that these all these players are really good personalities. But I remember, you know, as a Yankees fan, just despising the Boston Red Sox in the 2000s. That rivalry was intense. Now I'm sitting here yeah. saying, I wish I had Mookie Betts. I wish I had Andrew Benintendi. And then I look over at the Mets, another crosstown rival. I wish I had Jacob DeGrom. I wish I had these guys. Whereas in the past, I was thinking, I want to take these guys down at all costs. But instead, I'm watching yeah. a Mets game because I want to see Jacob DeGrom pitch. It's, you know... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how I feel, too, with the Yankees. I mean, I, I, I watch certain Yankee games because I like, look, you could not like a team because you root for another team, but you can't not acknowledge talent. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know as much of a Met fan as I am, I remember when Jeter was playing and in his prime, I used to say, if I had a kid who wanted to be a baseball player, I would tell him, be Derek Jeter. Mm-hmm. On and off the field, that's the kind of ball player you want to be. You know, so, you know, I appreciate a good professional baseball player. And that's what the Yankees really were. They were professionals. They came to work almost like they had, you know, suitcases and suits on. They opened up their suitcase. They sat behind their desk and they did their job and they went home. There was no sideshows. Right. You know, now there's a little bit, there's no sideshow now, but there's a little bit more of a smile and a personality to a team that I think just over time has to grow. I mean, we're a social network world. Mm-hmm. And just we're just more socially involved with each other, and teams have to become social. I agree. And the Yankees have, and the Mets have. At the time when we were winning, I was I enjoyed the business pers- personality of the Yankees, 
but there was always something missing. Like it always seemed like they weren't having fun. And I think that's a big component. Like the 04 Red Sox, to me, part of the, aside from the talent, part of what propelled them to that World Series to break the curse was that they just were, where they were loose. They didn't care that they were down 3 0 in the ALCS against the Yankees. They let their beards grow. They went nuts. You know, they called themselves the, the, what was it? The, what's it like? Stu- like the, the stupid morons. I don't even remember what they called them. They called themselves something yeah, that you wouldn't want. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so but I think know, that that's, that's, that's a component missing. I agree. Absolutely. You got to be some kind of a little bit of a sideshow. I mean, you have to understand, you want to bring young, young people into the game. You want them to stay, you know, connected to baseball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have, you know, when I was a kid, I had to make believe that I was Tom Seaver pitching or Tug McGraw pitching or, you know, somebody playing and, and doing really well. Now you could sit in your living room and bedroom and play, uh, you know, on a video game and be whoever you want to be. And it's much more exciting to them than when we would go out and play in the street, stick ball, or, you know, go to a lot and play, you know, hardball with each other. Right. So you got to keep the game interesting and relevant to people. And the only way to keep it exciting now, the only thing they have to do is make these games a little earlier so kids could watch them. Especially postseason games, they're they always start super late. Um, yeah, and and that the decision for them to start the season in Japan, which is all good, but Japan loves baseball. You didn't need to sell anything to Japan, and then you you play the games at five in the morning in the East Coast, at two thirty in the morning on the right. West Coast. Nobody knew what was happening. You know, base, there's some things baseball has to fix, but I think the players are doing what they can and they're keeping it interesting. And and uh, this is something we talk about a lot on, on the podcast is baseball is losing in popularity. We've, we're officially behind basketball and we're like two points away from falling behind soccer, if you could believe it, according to Gallup. But there's good news. Yeah. The kids are playing more baseball now than they, than they have in a long time. So there's a generation of kids growing up and they love the game. So we have to kind of take advantage of that. Like you said, the social media aspect. Let these players go out there and, and be personalities, you know. Let people share baseball content freely like like they do in the NBA and, and, in, and in the NFL somewhat. Um, and let's get this because this game is great. I love this game. I mean, I'm so excited about opening day. You know, like you said, there's a different feel in the air. There's something different going on, and, and it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it re- it really is. I mean, I've been following baseball for a long time, and mm-hmm. uh, the different kind of season. I I'm uh, really excited about the season all around, not just for the Mets, but for the baseball in general. I just love the game. Yep. I mean, I don't. I, there's anything like baseball. I mean, I agree. baseball <laughs> like life, you know, and I and I love it. I agree. So l- let's talk a little bit about your art, and we'll kind of transition slowly out of baseball. So, the, how okay. I found how I found you was through Instagram, um, you provide a lot of like post game drawings that kind of reminds me of Bill Gallo. I don't know if that's who you're emulating or if, you know, but your stuff is a lot more modern, I would say. And I think it's, it would be super appealing to kids. If, if, you know, we have a lot of kids listening to this podcast. If you follow, uh, Joe at Joey paints, Joey underscore paints on Instagram, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, what, so how did this start off with you? Like, yeah, so I, I keep a lot of journals, actually regular hard copy paper journals and I, and in them I paint and I draw, I doodle, I do whatever I want to do. And once in a while I used to start a journal for the Mets and go, I am going to journal every game this season. 
Okay. And I would start journaling the games every game, like kind of like very close to what you see now uh, online. Uh, only they were a little small journal. It was like a pocket-sized journal. It was only like three by four inches big. Hmm. I used to keep it in my back pocket. And, you know, by May, June, and the, the, the Mets weren't doing well, I would be like tired of like drawing pictures of losses all the time. So, I was, mm-hmm. you know, I would just... I would just stop doing it. And then one year I decided, uh, I think it was at 2010, I decided, you know what? I'm not just going to journal this year. I'm going to post it. I'm going to start posting. This way, if people follow me and I stop doing a game, they might go, hey, where's that game? And it will inspire me to go and post and finish the year because I would like to finish a year. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. And every year since 2010, I've been you know, posting a full year of the journal. What I do is every game I'll do a drawing of. And if they win, it'll be in color. If they lose, it'll be in black and white. Mm. I got that idea from the Wizard of Oz, how the first half of the movie is in black and white and the Mm. second half is in color. So that's where I got my black and white and color from. As far as Bill Gallo goes, when I was a kid, I love Bill Gallo's drawings. Bill mm-hmm. Gallo and Bruce Stark at the Daily News were like the sports cartoonists for that paper. And my father got me to go up there one Saturday to meet Bill Gallo when I was about 13 years old. So I met Bill and uh, became very good friends with him. As a matter of fact, he wrote my letter of recommendation for me to uh, college. Wow. And, and But then I you know, kind of went off the path of illustration and I went into advertising and I never really did anything with the illustration again until I did it on my own back in 2003. I started really starting to become a more of an artist and an illustrator. But a funny thing about baseball and the Mets and my drawing. So when I did get out of college, I got a job at an advertising agency. And one of the accounts I wound up working on was the Mets. Mm. Uh, one of the campaigns that I got to work on was the Magic is Back campaign for the Mets. Those are the Mazzilli years, things like that. Mm. But in 1983, I got to design a Met uniform, which was the racing stripe uniform that they won when they wore, uh, what they wore when they won the 1986 World Series. Oh, wow. That their back, I designed that uniform. Wow. So that's, that's like one of my great... Uh, Achievements. One of my greatest things as a Met fan, as a as an artist, I love that I was able to do that. That's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Especially, yeah, growing up a Mets fan, that's unbelievable. Yeah. And and so on on your Instagram page, you you have yourself listed as an official artist for the New York Mets or fan artist for the New York Mets. Are you recognized by the New York Mets? Uh, and do you ever provide like drawings for players or for the organization? Do you, are you associated with the organization in any way? I'm not associated with the organization in any way other than, you know, some of the players follow me. I've uh, done paintings for some of the players past and uh, present. And uh, I do some work with the SNY TV. Mm-hmm. I did an open for a show with the, for the season this year, which uh, you could probably see online. It's uh, you actually see my hand doing the paintings and mm. uh, writing in the uh, quotes online for the season of Brody's quotes and 
um, Syndergaard and uh, Callaway and uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of cool. So yeah, I did that and uh, but you know people see me as a Met artist. I did a double page spread. I don't know if you saw the Times this week, the special Met section. No, I haven't um, seen it. There was a there was a double page in there I did of uh, Ron Swoboda's catch in the 1969 World Series mm. and a couple of other drawings in there. So I did a draw, you know, a nice painting of that for the Times. So in a roundabout way, I'm associated with the Mets, but I'm not associated with the Mets. I see what People you're saying. And and a lot of your paintings it, it aren't just all Mets. If you scroll through uh, Joe's Instagram page, you'll see some football paintings. You'll see even some Yankees, believe it or not. Um, so is this is this your full time job, or is there something is there something else you do for a living, um, or is this it basically? It, 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 no, I I'm also in advertising. I'm still in advertising. Okay. I still love that. So uh, the painting is something that that is a passion of mine that I do and I'm able to do. And if you want to call it spare time, it's spare time. <laughs> I, I love doing it. And um, it's really taken me to things and places. I feel so blessed with it. I mean, I, I've been able to work with people who were my idols as a as a young boy and people I looked up to as a young boy I did I did work with uh, Muhammad Ali I'm official artist for the Muhammad Ali estate so I do a lot of work with Muhammad Ali that's great um uh, Joe Namath growing up I did a few pieces with Joe Namath a few years ago we did a few limited edition pieces with him uh with Rocky I was official artist for the anniversary of Rocky a few years ago and I did about seven pieces with Sylvester Stallone that we did sign together. And so it's really been uh, an exciting time. And I love sports. Um, I love music, rock and roll. I've worked with hard rock. Um, I'm the artist of the Elvis Presley estate. So I do a lot of work with Elvis. I'm a big Elvis fan. So, uh, you know, it's, it's all my passions come together at the end of my paintbrush. That's that's really cool, and and I was gonna ask you about the Mets and Nemeth. I mean, the the Jets and Nemeth, because I I know that you're a, a Jets fan. How did that happen? How did you how did you you know how did you make that work with Joe Nemeth? Was it just an accident, or is it something that you sought out and made it happen, or how did that work? No, well, um, I think at the time it was a few years ago. I think at the time my uh, publisher. Uh, you know, I, I gave them a list of people who I wanted to work with in my career. It was like, I want to work with, the, I want to work with Tom Seaver. I want to work with Sylvester Stallone. I want to work with Joe Namath. I want to work with Muhammad Ali. And one by one, they're like, okay, an opportunity to work with Joe Namath. And, um, and I went and met with Joe's agents and people and we worked that deal together. Uh, you know, I just think when you put things out into the universe, they come to you. So yeah. I think that you know, it was, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that the people who I've worked with are all the people who I loved growing up. That's you know, awesome. It's, uh, yeah. Did you ever get a chance to meet Muhammad Ali while he was still alive? Yes, I did. Oh, yes, that's I great. Did. How that was, was that? It was some, I mean, to, 
You know, I never understood. You, you see movies sometimes where you see girls crying when they see the Beatles or when they see a band or they yeah. see some. That, and you think, like, what is he crying for? Right? <laughs> when I saw Muhammad Ali, I just I broke into tears. I mean, it was like a, I can't explain. It was almost like a religious moment. There was a light that comes from him that, uh, uh, without even saying a word, you could just, you know, feel it. I mean, you could just feel it. Like it's, it's even hard to explain. Yeah. You could feel presence in the room without even with your eyes closed. You could feel and see him. It was yeah. really magical. Well, I mean, I, 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 so I'm in my mid thirties. I never got a chance. I, I watched a lot of old tape when, when ESPN Classic right. used to run the old fights mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But from yeah. what, from the things that I've read, and and you know, I'm a sports connoisseur as well. I love sports. Muhammad Ali was sports when he was at the top of his game, and he kind of sustained that until his death. You know, he was larger than life. So I can imagine. I can't. I can't even imagine what that must have been like. Um, it, you know, it would be like meeting for me, like me meeting the entire 1998 New York Yankee, you know, team is <laughs> like mm-hmm. meeting Muhammad Ali. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, I don't even absolutely. know how to equate it. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't even know if that would be enough. Exactly. You know, to, to match what it would be like to meet Muhammad Ali. There's something, not that I don't take anything away from that Yankee team, great team, but mm-hmm. it has not, it, it's beyond being great. There's right. just something about him that is different than anybody mm-hmm. else I've met. And I've met a lot of people, you know, great people. Mm-hmm. And even when I met Joe Namath, I mean, to me, Joe Namath was God. Yeah. And uh, uh, I got to work with Tom Seaver. Tom Seaver was God to me as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as a matter of fact, I was so shocked when I was working with Tom that I never even asked him for an autograph when all these years later. I oh, wow. Still don't. But you know what? My memory of it is the autograph I need of those moments. Mm-hmm. But the Ollie thing was like nothing I've ever experienced. Yeah. I'm so blessed that I got to experience that. That's incredible. Um, yeah, it was great. Something else I've, I've seen on your, on your page is a lot of DC Comics drawings. And I also saw that you're... Uh, licensed uh, with Lucas Films, and it, now is a huge moment for that with with the comic bo- book boom in the movies and stuff. It's not Marvel, but it's yeah. you know it's still huge. Lucas Films with Star Wars and all that. What what exactly do you do for DC and Lucas Films? Look, I'm licensed to be able to paint fine art paintings of the superheroes. Okay, so I I could for DC I've painted. Uh, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Um, uh, I have a Shazam coming out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, for uh, Lucas Films, I've painted a few Darth Vaders, uh, a Yoda, a uh, one, one I call Father and Son. It's a big close-up of Darth Vader's face, and in one of the uh, reflectors of his eyes, you could see Luke facing him. It was that moment from the from when they fought each other. So um, yeah, I've been pretty uh, pretty lucky to get those uh, licenses to be able to do that and work with them. That's really cool. They're both great, great, great companies. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. So, uh, were you a big fan of of comic books growing up? Absolutely. I, I'm a huge, huge Superman fan. Okay. You're a DC I guy. That he, <laughs> I'm a, well, yeah, I'm a DC guy. I mean, I just love Super. I mean, to me, it's like 
nobody nobody should be able to beat Superman. He's the only one with like real superpowers. Nothing could kill him except that rock that's like cheating. The kryptonite is cheating. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I kids a bat with Batman fans, I used to say to him, but he has no powers. He's just <laughs> by his by his equipment. And then in one of the last Batman movies, uh the Flash asks him, What's your superpower? Mm-hmm. And Batman turns it says I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> so it, kind of, it kind of highlighted what the message I've been trying to say all along. But I love Superman. I think for me, growing up, I'm also a DC guy. Like, I, I don't mind the Marvel movies and everything, but I always, uh, I always gravitated to DC because of Superman as well. And then those Chris mm-hmm. Nolan movie movies came out, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, and, and the, uh, what was the other one? Batman Begins. And that just put me over on on Batman's team. I don't know what it is. I love I love that character. I think Ben Affleck should retire the character and give it to somebody else. But I love DC Comics. I hope that their their movies start to get a little better because I feel like those those uh, Justice League movies weren't you know they weren't so great. The Superman versus Batman one was a little too dark. It just, they just need to lighten up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't you know I try to always explain because we're a DC house. As a matter of fact. Uh, one of my sons uh, does a lot of uh, cosplay and uh, has his own costuming company that he makes uh, costumes for people. And uh, I always try to explain to him that Batman, Superman is not meant to be a dark character. Mm-hmm. They keep putting these dark suits on him and shoot him in the darkness. The beauty of Superman is his color. Mm-hmm. It's his color, grandeur, that cape. He is a symbol of hope. So when you see those bright colors in the sky coming towards you, that's the hope. You don't want to see a black suit that's got like a snake skin texture to it with a dark red and the dark gold logo on it. He's not mm-hmm. about darkness. Superman's about light. Right. So I think that they need to fix that. Yeah, Maybe I agree. Get it right. With with Batman, I understand because he's more of a it's it's almost like a, a film like a noir type of detective yeah. story, so that's understandable. But I completely agree so with we, you, and and I think that's what makes that made those uh the the Reeves Superman movies good. Um, yeah. Well, Batman's born of pain. I mean, he's born from the pain of his parents being murdered. Exactly. I mean, he's born of pain. You know, but. Superman was sent here as a hope for the planet, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, he had a nice childhood. He didn't have a bad childhood. Right, so, right. He grew up on a farm, you know, uh, so it's totally different. There's no reason for darkness. Did you get to get? Did you get to watch uh, the Aquaman movie? I haven't seen it yet. No, yeah, I haven't seen it. Neither have I. I was. I kind of his character in the Justice League movie was. He was one of the better characters for sure. Um, but once I saw the trailer, I was like, I don't know, man. I don't want to be disappointed by this. I may, I may avoid it. <laughs> and then I, I yeah, just watched. I t- to jump on the Marvel side real quick. Yeah. I just watched Captain Marvel, and that, it was a good movie. It was, it was actually really good. But I was, I was. This is what I don't like about Marvel. I feel like they find shortcuts. Like, so, so the Avengers movie, uh, Thanos came and is kind of and is destroying the world. He's the most powerful villain ever, which was. A good villain. I like that movie a lot. Now they make this this movie with Captain Marvel to introduce her to the Avengers, and she's indestructible. She's like Superman times ten, but it it felt like cheating. Like 
okay, now all of a sudden this person appears who can't be, you know, destroyed and is the strongest person in the world. You know what I mean? It's just like, right. right. I don't like Where that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. right. Where were you in the first two Avenger movies? <laughs> exactly. I could have used your help. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. We could talk about comic movies and, you know, comic books all the time. For me, the, my favorite comic book, and then I'll end the comic book uh, segment is uh the Frank Miller um Jesus, Dark the, Knight. the Dark Knight Frank Miller comics I thought those are so good and and I loved how they kind of follow they they didn't sugarcoat anything uh Gordon the commissioner Gordon or whatever he's like cheating on his wife he's he's a really dark character but you know at the end of the day they're coming together to defeat something bad um, and I feel like that kind of captures the spirit of Batman in a cool modern way. I love those comics. I don't know if you've ever read them, but they're I really good. Yo, yeah, I've read them. I've studied that art. I just his whole design sense and the way he drew it, and the way they told that story, the way he told that story, and the, uh, the art by Dave Mazzucchelli did the art for mm-hmm. that. Yes, with it, it was like unbelievable. I mean, it changed comics forever. And, yeah, that's uh, cool. it really turned comics to an art form, mm-hmm. and I think it was really a pivoting part in the history of comics. That book, it was a very, very important piece of uh, culture. You yeah, know? I so uh, yeah, I loved it. I loved it as much as you do. That's cool. So the only other thing I have to ask you is what? So, and I should have started it with this, but what inspired all this? Like, how did you how did you figure out that you had a, a talent for drawing and what inspired you to roll with it? Because a lot of people, you know, they grow up and, and they know that they have maybe this hidden talent or something that they're passionate about. But growing up in this country, I love America, but growing up in this country, you kind of have to go with the, the safe bet because you don't want to, you know, take it's taking a big risk to turn to art. Um, yeah. Uh, what inspired you to go with it? Well, you know, ever since I was, as young as I can remember, all I know is I would draw all the time. And, you know, drawing sometimes got me into trouble in school because I daydream and draw in my notebooks. Sometimes drawing got me credit in school for doing extra credit projects or helping teachers after class or things like that. So it was always something I was able to do. Um, But, you know, uh, and my parents always, you know, supported it and loved that I was able to draw. And But when it came time for school and things like that, I I went to a regular high school. I, I wanted to go to School of uh, Art and Design in Manhattan, but my mom didn't want me taking a train into the city. And, you know, I had to go to real high school, not art high school. Mm-hmm. So I went to uh, a high school in Brooklyn and... Uh, after that, I went to college in the city, uh, School of Visual Arts, and I actually went to that school to become an illustrator. Okay. And while I was in that school, I had to uh, take classes and other things like advertising and things like that. So when I graduated, I hardly had any advertising experience in school, but I figured to get a job, I have to get a job and be responsible because I could see that being an artist was very hard. So I decided, let me take an advertising job as my full-time job, and then I'll become an artist on the side. Mm-hmm. And when the art takes over, I'll quit advertising. So now mm-hmm. we flash back down, you know, 
30 years later and uh, I'm still in advertising, mm-hmm. but I paint. And the thing I would say is stick with your passion, stick with your passion. You, you, you can do more things than one. A passion is something that never should leave you. You should never become uh, taken over by the thing that, well, I need to make a living. I can't play the guitar. I'm never going to be a rock star. So I'm going to stop playing guitar because this job in the bank is paying my bills. You could do the job in the bank and on the weekends or at night, go play in a club. Because you know what? I kept doing that with my art. I kept drawing, just doing little drawings in my books and uh, pieces of paper in my room, just always doodling through my whole life. And then when I became, uh, when I was 40 years old, okay, Mm. I decided to post my work online and people started noticing my work. And that's when I signed to become the official artist for Elvis Presley, which then led to me to become the official artist for Muhammad Ali. So I kept at it. And at 40 years old, I was able to uh, do art as a living. So, I mean, I could, you know, I could do one or the other. I love both of them, you know, because advertising is a passion too. So I do both, but I had this bookmark that I keep with me that I found when I worked in Barnes and Noble in college in one of the books and I kept it and it's always over my drawing table. And the quote is, it's never too late to be what you might've been. Mm. So don't ever stop believing in yourself and believing in your passion. If you want to do something, do it. Don't listen to anybody but your heart and you could be whatever you want to be. You don't have to be famous. You just have to be it, whatever mm-hmm. it is. That's great. You know? And that's, 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 the, that's the advice I would give somebody young today. Be who you want to be and you don't have to be famous. Just be it. You know, I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm, I'm still in my mid thirties. I still have a way to go. Um, but I, I kind of forgot what it was that I was passionate about for a while. I was a teacher in New York city for seven years. I love teaching kids, but it wasn't my passion. You know, I wasn't happy waking up every day and doing it. Um, and over the last couple of years, I, you know, I have a deep passion for baseball, diehard Yankees fan, but I watch any game that's on the TV and I turned to writing for my own blog, and then I got hired by Call to the Pen, and now I'm an editor for Call to the Pen. I have this podcast, and um, things just once you start, you know, like you said, pursuing your passion, and just even if it's on the side or you take a couple of hours a night and work on it, things start to happen. Exactly. It just, you know, <laughs> I may not be working for ESPN, but I'm happy doing what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, even you know even when I was just doing it for myself, just because I was doing it every day and just maybe a few people would see my work, it was enough. It was enough because I was doing it. You're not an artist because, or a writer because somebody else reads your stuff or right. somebody buys your work. You're an artist and a writer because you wrote it and you drew it or painted it. That's what makes you an artist or a writer, not exactly. the purchasing of our work. It's the doing of our work. That's yeah. awesome, Joe. It was really nice talking to you. Hey, um, it was great you too, man. Yeah, thank you so much. For everybody listening, follow Joe at Joey underscore paints on Instagram. Uh, go to his website. I believe it's joeypaints.com. Is that correct? 
joeypaints.com. My Instagram is joey underscore paints. And uh, I do answer people back on my Instagram page. So if you write to me, I do write back. I, you know, I firmly believe in at least trying to get everybody and comment back to them. So that's awesome. Please stop by. Hi. So thanks so much for your time. Really right. appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. That was Joe Petruccio. Again, make sure you follow him on Instagram at Joey underscore paints and make sure to go to his website, joeypaints.com. So you can see exactly what we're talking about. Um, this episode, as always, is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show. There you'll get a free audiobook download and a free 30 day free trial. Uh, if you don't like the book that you download, you can exchange it for a different book. They have anything is available. If you see it in Amazon's list or the New York Times bestseller, it's most certainly going to be available in audiobook form. So if you're a podcast listener, you will definitely love this. So I'll give you that link one more time. That's audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show. And as always, make sure you visit our store. I, I guess you can call it a store, but I call it more of a, a discount rack at wttspod.com forward slash save. There you'll find exclusive deals to KD Custom Kicks, to Top Velocity. Uh, we provide you with links to all of the services that we use, like Audiogram, uh, stuff like that. And we can you'll get some discounts through there as well. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So thanks for listening. I'm Manny Gomez. Peace.